May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, what a great day it is, and a great uh, reason to celebrate uh, these past 10 years. Uh, it's, for me, it's uh, <clears throat> just over 35 years that I first climbed these steps to come into this august pulpit and uh, preach uh, an amateur sermon, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> the remnant who are here may well remember, uh, and if they've forgotten, uh, probably for good reason. Uh, but 10 years ago, uh, as I preached here on the occasion of Graham's commencement service, and uh, uh, what a joy it was. I remember meeting with the nominators, <clears throat> uh, and Jo Pierce was one of those nominators, which, as we've heard, uh, she's now gone to glory, but uh, I remember meeting with the nominators and saying, you're going to England? You're going to get an Englishman into St Stephen's? This is really strange. And um, uh, one of the nominators, Richard Grillman, I'm not sure if Rick's here this morning, but uh, he is, uh, uh, he, went, he went across to England. So he came back, and he was the eyewitness, if you like, for the nominators to tell them, yes, he's fine, you know, he's, he's just got one head, um, and uh, doesn't like cricket, but apart from that, uh, he's, he's fine, he speaks with a funny accent, but we can cope with that, and yes, he's the man. And then, of course, as you heard, that Graham came out. Uh, not, I don't think the whole congregation would have met uh, that, it's, um, unlike some denominations where <laughs> you get grilled by the whole congregation, thank goodness we haven't got that. And, uh, and, but you as a congregation, you had to rely upon the eyewitnesses of the nominators as they uh, met with Graham uh, and with Katrina, both came out, I think the children stayed at home, didn't you? <laughs> you weren't being interviewed. And then of course, as you heard the story, uh, the offer came from the Archbishop and Graham was inclined to decline, and I think did decline, and Joe moved into prayer mode, uh, as Joe would regularly do on occasions where she saw that uh, God's will was in a certain direction, and it's just that the foolish people hadn't recognised what God's will was. <laughs> and so the Archbishop actually uh, extended the period of time for which normally an offer has to be done within three weeks of an invitation being given, and he extended the time as he's able to do so, and in that time, the disturbing prayers of Joe Pierce had their effect upon Graham Wintle. No doubt then the disturbance went to the three children, uh, as the thought and prospect of coming to uh, this land was, I'm sure, fairly daunting. And I'm so glad that, Graham, you've uh, made reference to, uh, to Claire and Harriet and Jonathan, and for your uh, goodness, you, had, in one, you probably had no choice really, but uh, the way in which you've, through ups and downs, I know it's difficult when you first come without friends and all your friends are back home, and how wonderful has been the support you've been to your mum and dad through this too, and the new friends that you've made here, uh, which is a blessing of God too. Eyewitnesses are very important, aren't they? To actually know, well, I don't know this man, Graham Wintle. But you've got someone, as in Richard Grillman or the five nominators, to say, yes, he is the man for us. He is the one to come. He's going to be the one to bring us into the next phase of our life here at St Stephen's. So when John writes, no doubt from Ephesus, to some Christians, later in his life, people who'd not met Jesus, 
but only heard of him, heard testimony of who this Jesus is, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. John was such an eyewitness, as were the other apostles, and 500 people who saw Jesus raised from the dead. It was a large number of people, but Jesus was going to keep coming back after his resurrection for every generation. Many a person I've spoken to about the gospel said, well, if I could see Jesus now, then I would believe. But even those who saw Jesus did not believe. But the testimony of the eyewitness, the one who has seen, heard, touched, the one who is reliable, credible in their testimony, we can believe them. Just as you believe, Richard Grohman, believe the nominators, having seen, heard and touched, handshake, <laughs> uh, Graham, to say this was the man to come. And so John writes to his audience and says, this is the one. The life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And we proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard so that you might have fellowship with us. You heard the charge given to Graham 10 years ago. And in that charge was to be a faithful teacher of the word, to be a pastor of God's people. And one of the great things of the testimony of, uh, of these past 10 years is that Graham has exercised that ministry. The people who've come to Christ through his ministry. The people who've grown in Christ through his ministry. And uh, that has been because he has proclaimed Christ. Because as Graham has believed the testimony of John and the testimony of the New Testament, so he has declared that, that this is the truth. This is reliable. This is true. It's no fantasy. It's not just for some collection of people as they come and they meet Sunday by Sunday. It's not just a club of mutual interests. This is the body of Christ. Those who understand grace just as Graham said of that gentleman that it came to him, he understood grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, there are a number of items you can think over the 10 years, uh, the ways in which this church has grown. I asked Tim before the, the service began, I said, uh, what do you think is one of the greatest legacies of, uh, of uh, Graham? <clears throat> to which Tim replied, well, I think the choice of his staff would be probably number one. <laughs> I mean, that's probably true of previous uh, rectors of St. Stephen's Willoughby, too. Um, now I think of it. Um, but yes, in terms of the, the way in which Graham's teaching ministry, and Graham's a creative teacher. He, he moves around, doesn't he? <laughs> he doesn't stand still. <laughs> and he engages with you. And he, he, he brings the text to you in a fresh and vibrant manner. 
In one sense, that uh, the, uh, the, the extraordinary family carol service, to which I've been to a couple of them, uh, and when I was Bishop of North Sydney, I couldn't come regularly. Uh, Diane Davies was on the roll as Diane Davies and non-attending husband, Glenn. Uh, <coughs> uh, but I've had more opportunity as Archbishop because I'm not every Sunday out preaching. But to see the growth in the congregation, the way in which people have, have uh, seen uh, the vibrancy of Graham's teaching and in those family carols and particularly the extravaganza and the work that goes into them and the companionship of Katrina in that ministry and the pastoral support and the connect groups and the, uh, the special teachings that, that, that go on and the, uh, and the alpha courses and the engagement of people with the living word. Because Graham's desire is that people might have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy or your joy complete. Joy is one of those gifts of the Spirit. It, it's not just happiness. It's not just a, a stoic grin upon the face, but it's a deep-seated emotion of release, of pure joy, that we have become that for which we were created, made in the image of God, to have fellowship with the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. John goes on to say, this is the message we have heard from him, from him and we declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. The joy of coming to the light, the joy of seeing that light, if you've been in a dark space, you know how terrifying it can be, how isolating it can be, how lonely darkness can be. I remember as a, as a young teenager, I, I went to Port Arthur. I'm not sure, have you got to Port Arthur yet or not? Well, there's still time. Uh, and uh, in, the, in Port Arthur, um, you, there's a... There's a, a a particular uh, isolation cell where once you close the door, it is pitch black. I remember that the, the guide uh, who was there, and I was young but with a very fancy watch, it had a luminous dial. Uh, young people don't know what that means. Uh, it was analog. We didn't even use the word analog in those days. Um, and it had a luminous dial. And, and, and man, if anyone got a, a luminous watch, have a look at your watch. And I did, and I couldn't see anything. And he said, even a luminous watch requires a little bit of light to shine forth on the, uh, the chemicals on the, on the hands of the watch so you could see it. I could see nothing. It was pitch black. And although there was a group of people there, it was like I was completely alone because I could see no one. Darkness is like that. And only God brings light. Only God brings the light into the darkness, transforms the darkness, and the darkness disappears. The purifying light of Jesus Christ is one which brings us out of darkness into light. And the darkness is a metaphor for our own lives without Christ where we seek in a busy world but in a lonely world, 
where we haven't quite found the fulfilment that we know we should find, where we're still looking and hunting and searching and yet there's an emptiness within. Because we've been made in the image of God, that emptiness can only be filled by the love of God in Christ. And so he goes on to speak of the darkness. We live not in darkness, but in light. And we walk in the light as he is in the light and therefore have fellowship with one another. And one of the great things about the Christian faith is it's not just a relationship with God, which it is, but it's a relationship with God's people. It's a fellowship which we enjoy as we together walk in the light. And the way that takes place is through the blood of Jesus. And he speaks there of the way in which it's the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sins. It's the blood that purifies us. Blood is not really normally seen as a purifying agent. You don't think, you know, if you've got, if you've got something uh, that needs to be washed off, you say, oh, I'll throw some blood on it. That'll, that'll make it clean. But blood is that which is to do with life and death because it's our sins, it's our brokenness, it's our rebellion, it's our fallenness, it's our frailty that prevents us from being in relationship with God who is pure light. And we in of, and of ourselves are not able to come into God's presence but for Jesus. For Jesus was pure God and pure man. He was human like us but without sin. He walked in our shoes and he fulfilled God's law in perfection. And though he did not deserve to die, he died the death that we deserve. And he took our sins away so that we might walk in newness of life. Some people think, well, if you're a Christian, why is it you still make mistakes? John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The strangeness of this world is that God has saved us, yes. God has purified us, yes. We stand <clears throat> righteous before the throne of God because of the righteousness of Christ. But we're still on a journey ourselves in this world. We're still in a fallen world where temptation abounds and yes, we make mistakes. As Graham indicated, yes, he's still frail. Bishops and archbishops, even worse. The frailty of our human life is a reflection upon God's enduring love towards us, but also of the forgiveness that God has given to us that we might walk in the light. And therefore, John gives this <clears throat> uh, promise where he says, <clears throat> I write this to you so that you won't sin. Yes, we know we we still have failure in our lives, but we are always our aspiration is to move towards Christ and to seek to follow him and to walk in the light. And a pastor's responsibility is to love everyone in the congregation and engage with them so that you might continue to walk in the light. It might mean reproof. It might mean discipline. But it's always in the context of love. 
because it reflects God's love towards us despite our frailty and our weaknesses. <clears throat> it's wonderful to have community leaders here. Uh, we have our, our, our treasurer, uh, Gladys Berejiklian. We have our mayor here. We have the principal of Willoughby Girls High and other community leaders. And Graham's been engaging with the community because this message is not just for us in St Stephen's. This is a message for the world. Because Jesus is the atoning sacrifice, not only for us, but for the sins of the whole world. This is a message to go out to everyone in this area of Willoughby. This is a message that everyone needs to hear. And as Graham continues to care for you, teach you, pastor you, he's going to keep drawing you towards the Lord Jesus that you might grow in him and might not walk in darkness, but walk in light. And yes, you'll still see your mistakes and no doubt others will see your mistakes even more clearly. But know that you're forgiven, that grace abounds and the love of Christ has overwhelmed you and will bring you home. As a pastor, one of the sadnesses and the joys are conducting funerals. Conducting funerals for members of the congregation can be moments of great joy. I can remember preaching on it here on a number of funerals, Joe Pierce in particular, but there are others and you can remember. It's a joy because their life in this world has come to an end but now they enter into the joy of heaven. But the sadness is conducting funerals for those who are not members of the congregation. And yes, we want to honour each person as made in the image of God, but the sadness is they're still in darkness and have not come to the light. The imperative for us, the urgency for us, is to continue to shine that light into dark places. To let everyone know that in Jesus is found forgiveness of sins. He is from the beginning. He was made manifest and John had seen him, heard him, touched him, lived with him, knew he was true and truly God's son. Only in him do we find eternal life? Only in him are our sins forgiven so that we might not live in darkness but come to the light, the light which is everlasting. Thank you, Graham, for teaching that. May God continue to bless you as you continue to proclaim Christ, not only in this church but to this community. Amen.